if it means going and shooting a 200 inch mule deer off a four wheeler in the desert, like um, count me out for that. Like, I don't care, <laughs> but if it's go shoot a 160 buck that I backpacked in 15 miles for and spent a week chasing, like I will do that any day of the week. Hello there. Welcome to the Hoyt bow hunting podcast. I'm your host, Alan Bolin, and I have the pleasure of doing this podcast today with Steve Speck who is the owner of SNS Archery and XO Packs and a very loyal Hoyt shooter for many years. Steve, how you doing? I'm fantastic, man. I pre- really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Yeah, it's yeah. it's my pleasure. It's our pleasure. Um, yeah, it'll be great to hear about some of your adventures in business and in hunting. Um, something that struck me right away, you know, of course, I've heard of you over the years, but I, I hadn't really put it all together, all the different businesses that, that you've started in the archery and hunting industry. It's, it's quite impressive. You have quite an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, so you've had, you know, you started solid broadheads, which is a pretty cool broadhead design. Yeah. Um, and you, I guess you sold that. You also had Pure Elevation Outdoors, which is a, kind of a media company, right? Yep. yep. And then currently you own SNS Archery, uh, which I've, I know I purchased something from from you once. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I know <laughs> I did. And uh, an XO pack. So yeah. that's it. Four four like pretty successful businesses in the hunt. Am I missing any? Uh, I mean, yeah, four is plenty. <laughs> yeah, there is. I did. Uh, I founded and started the Northwest Mountain Challenge, the 3D archery shoot. Um, oh, so that's uh, that. Uh, we did that for years, just in Idaho, and then it was uh, Idaho, Oregon, Washington for quite a few years. And then right last year with COVID, uh, Washington, Oregon got shut down last year. And this okay, year. sure. I actually don't play much of a role in that anymore. Just go help set up courses, but just kind of yeah. got too busy with other stuff. So yeah, I definitely had a lot of stuff going on. It started, um, I was, ugh, when I was, I was kind of grew up in this family construction business. We did like metal buildings and I'd put those up in the summer and um, I had started, it all started from, I had, um, there was an opportunity there. We had like people call in for these little work jobs that needed done. And I asked my, my dad and brother were the owners of the company. Like, Hey, can I go start up my own little company and go line people out at 6am and then get into the office by eight. And so I did that. And then like not soon after that, I was just super into archery and, uh, I think it all started. I just wanted to get a discount on arrows and things like that. So I, <laughs> I had, I figured out, that don't we file, all, <laughs> yeah, I figured out that I could file a doing business as, uh, I turned SS builders into SNS archery here in Idaho. It's just a simple form. And also, wow, I had my own archery company. So I reached wow. out to different, um, I think like Victory Arrows might have been my first thing I did. Um, anybody that I could buy from, you know, uh, reached out and then just that turned into, um, what kind of, I guess what led to that was just getting into, I, I worked part-time in an archery shop just a little bit and that kind of drove my passion, like work on my own bows, do my own tuning, things like that. And then, uh, yeah. um, so then I started doing that for people in my garage and that's kind of a you know similar story of just like friend of a friend of a friend all of a sudden it's like man there's a lot of people needing this stuff done and then that same that happened in like 07 08 when the economy took a tank and our, our my yeah. family's construction business pretty much went under in a matter of like six months and i was left with like well i've got this little side gig going let's see if i can make it work and that's what really kind of amazing with sns and then doing sns yeah i was a few years into it um i just you know i always wanted to was picky about broadheads idaho's a fixed broadhead state right so i was like Right. Options were, you know, there's a lot of them out there, but I just didn't like any of them and, and had an idea and, and got lucky and met up with a machine shop and designed a broadhead and then ended up selling that within six months. And it's, I was pretty young. I think it was 24. Oh, really? And really, you're really 25 crazy. years old and you, you, you piloted 
a new broadhead company. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, cool. Was, yeah, it was cool. So you sold it, it quickly. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, I yeah. sold it quickly, just not, you know, just young and dumb, I guess. But, um, but I learned, <laughs> So you, I learned, you I wish you still it. had it? Is that what oh, you're saying? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Nice. You know, yeah. uh, but I learned a lot from it and applied that to future businesses, right? So, yeah. Um, and along that uh, same time, yeah, that. 3D shoots were like I was sick of going to local 3D shoots where every shot was 30 yards. It needs to be something cooler than this. And reached out to a local ski resort. It took a couple of years to get them on board, and finally did the first year of what was originally called the Bogus Challenge, and then turned into the Northwest Mountain Challenge. Uh, so that same time frame, yeah, I, I had I met a guy, uh, Lenny, who's the guy I founded Exo with, um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he was a backpack hunter like I was, and we were both struggling to find people to, that want to go backpacking. You know, like guys I grew up hunting with. Or just like not into back, just didn't want to do that. They just wanted to hunt from the truck or a base camp or whatever. So we met up, and then the first year, I was like, man, this same thing. I was like watching TV shows, and yeah, I'm not, this isn't cool. Like they're just showing kill shots. I want to see the whole experience and everything that goes into getting to that point, right? Right. And, and the, the hunt's successful or not to me doesn't depend on did you arrow an animal. So, right. Started to like film our backpacking hunts, and then we did a couple DVDs and had films in the full and that was pure elevation right yeah yeah it's called pure elevation production right um and then uh and then yeah right at 2013 you know the next problem to solve was backpacks just wasn't out there backpacking and had that whole like you know you go with a day pack you know i, I had like a little i think it was like a gregory z40 or something that i would nice scout pack. with yeah, yeah scout with but it was you know you get above 40 pounds it degrades pretty right. fast right and then so what do you pack a pack frame do you Go with a hunting company that's not really like you know superior suspension by any means, um, and that's what kind of led to just a few years of complaint about packs. I like threw uh, threw in the towel, I guess, or and said, "Let's start making this thing, figure it out." Yeah, Dang, and that was that, thirteen, that's and it's amazing. Been, yeah, fourteen to right now twenty one. It's so blur. so. Your first business SNS was like maybe two thousand five. You were saying? Oh man, no, no, it would have been. Yeah, I mean. The beginnings would have been oh six oh seven oh six oh seven so yeah in, in a space like, of six or seven years you started like five different outdoor yeah things. yeah there was a rough I, I was like I was super <laughs> lucky I, I had gotten engaged but my wife had to go to grad school in Oregon and I had to stay yeah. here because I had the company here um, but I was basically engaged with like nothing to do because she was over there I'd go visit every yeah. weekend but I just worked you know so you just turned your your hobbies into businesses yeah just worked nonstop for quite a few years and got all that wow. off the ground. That's been really great. It's been fun. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love that story. I, I own a couple businesses and I know a heart of this. Yeah. It's not, it's, you know, they say you own a business and no, the business owns me, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I find, like, uh, the, the last year I've finally turned that page where it's like, I could actually walk nice. away for two, three weeks and come back to stuff to solve, but nothing, you know, if I walked away for three weeks, a couple of years ago, it would have been a freaking mess coming back. So, right. Um, yeah. But, getting better for sure well that's that's fantastic and so today you currently run sns archery and exopax yep yep that's yeah, great we, we and, share and, the same uh same office same warehouse and okay run both companies out of the same place yeah. do you have brick and mortar for sns we yeah, do it's 95 percent of our sales are online and that's okay. really our focus and attention so you have a pro shop or no no no, no okay we, yeah i mean we've got a retail store people walk in and um guy was just in okay. here buying some sites like 10 minutes ago but yeah um they said 95% of our stuff's online. That's our okay. focus. So. Right on. Uh, that's, that's, that's great. Well, um, yeah, I'm impressed. I'm super impressed with, with your journey there. Um, let's, 
I, I would love to hear, I want to talk about your packs in a minute. I would love to hear just to give, give the listeners some background. Um, what do you like to hunt and, and what, you know, what turns your crank? Where do you go to hunt? How do you do it? Um, you know, what if, you know, let's say you had like, I, let's, what do you got planned this year, for example, or what'd you do last year? Tell yeah. us about that. Um, I guess first, like kind of class myself as an experience hunter, like a, I, I'm just, to me, I've, I've done hunts where it was all about the trophy. Uh, and it's just not, it doesn't resonate with me. Right. Like I'm, if, if it means going and shooting a 200 inch mule deer off a four wheeler in the desert, like I'm count me out for that. Like, I don't <laughs> care <laughs> but Yeah. if it's yeah. go shoot a 160 buck that I backpacked in 15 miles for and spent a week chasing, like I will do that any day of the week. Um, right. so that like, to me, I want to hunt to have some like physical aspect of it to kind of get that reward out of it. Like if it's, if it's yeah. too easy, it was, it was too easy. And it's not memorable. My, but how my about backpacking hunt? 16 yeah. days for a 200 inch muley? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Except that, except that I, if you feel big meal there, I've shot or big elk, the meat's always gross. And <laughs> okay. I, I'm definitely a meat guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, to me, it's just, I like that. Ex- just having a cool experience, right? Like life's too short to yep. not go and have fun. And so define cool experience. Is that like, you know, something remote, something that yeah, like, I mean, to me that sucks the whole time you're there, you're working like yourself right. into the ground. And then yeah. later you think it was awesome, but. You know, that's how the human mind works. We only remember yeah. the good times, right? Yeah, for sure. The most memorable hunts are the ones that at the time were the most miserable, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think I, I try to balance that now of find, like I pick hunts that, all right, this is going to be really fun, not super physical, but like really fun, got some good buddies, we're going to have a good time. And then other hunts, um, like uh, I, I got super lucky this year and drew a Frank Church uh, wilderness sheep tag um, here oh, in Idaho. Oh, did you? Yeah. And oh, congratulations, I wanna, man. It's going to be a tough hunt, but I yeah. I want to backpack it, which means roughly 40 to 50 mile round trip, you know, just 25 miles in there to where you're going to start hunting and then 25 back out. That's going to be. You could fly in? Yeah, that... absolutely could fly in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you could fly into within five miles of probably where you're going to be hunting. But okay. I don't, some sick part of me just wants to say I hiked the whole thing and didn't need a plane to help me Is out. Is there, there must be yeah. a trail or something, right? Uh, the, Yeah, not really. Uh, old 25 trail. miles is. Yeah. It's That's a brutal. ways. That's yeah. quite an approach. And then you have to have, I mean, how long are you going to, do you plan on staying once you're in? I do like six, seven day trips in and out. Okay. Yeah. But and, I understand that it'll take, you know, you're a full day in, full day out. At least. Know, that, yeah. yeah. At least hiking uh, dark. I, we did it. Um, every year we do this thing called the death hike. It's this started back in 2015 where we pick a stupid, it's just usually happens in the spring or summer. We pick a stupid distance to hike. Um, and this year, we, we actually flew into the Frank Church in April and snowshoed out of there. We did like oh, cool. 37 miles in a couple of days. And yeah. I was just in this country. I know I could hike it in a day, but it'll be, you'll be wiped by the time you get to where you want to hunt. But, yeah. Uh, but so that, you're going to have to so, carry so to me, 10 days of food, let's say? Um, yeah. Yeah, 7 to 10, probably. Yeah. Okay. Just to be safe. And, and if I do you have anybody going anybody. with you? Uh, later in the season. I'm going to go solo for the first few trips. And later in the season, okay. I'll, I'll probably have some buddies come if I'm struggling. Need some extra eyes yeah. and glass. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's like an example of like, all right, this is going to be an awesome hunt, but um, I want to make it physical and like super, super memorable. Uh, that sounds yeah. amazing. So, that um, sounds amazing. Yeah. Are you, are you, what are you doing to get ready for it right now? Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of like for train how you're going to hunt or train, you know, like, um, yeah, had this 
stupid random memory, but I was like like seventh grade basketball. Like I had in there was the distinction between middle school coach who like sprinted us into the ground after every practice. And then I went into like summer basketball where the coach just said like we just played like fast break pace. That was practice the whole time. And we were in yeah. way better shape doing that than kind of easy practice with a bunch of sprints at the end. And I like that mentality has always stuck with me of like I mean, no one's ever said on week two of a hunt that they're in worse shape. They're on their second hunt that they're in worse shape on their first, right? Like you just yeah. get in better shape by doing what you're going to be doing. Yeah. And that's, I just think. Yeah. Sometimes mentality. guides get worn down over the season, but those yeah. are long yeah. seasons. Those are long right. seasons. I, I think in, in all, like on a two week hunt, you will be much better on day 14 than you were on day one. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So that, I just take that and that fits well into with XO. Like I'm constantly prototyping and testing back. So. You know, nice. three, four, five days a week. It's still load up with 50 pounds. I live in the hills up above Boise. So it's yeah. just right out my front door and go hike four or five miles with a weighted pack. And so I, I do that a lot. Um, and the other thing, I, I competitively uh, mountain biked for quite a few years. Oh, nice. Uh, Cross country racing. And that, I still do okay. that a lot. That, oh, nothing great. Your so your cardio is good. Yeah. Nothing gets my lungs. Yeah. But weightlifting's miserable. I, I'm freaking terrible there. But uh, as I, far as I, cardio and hiking, I can pretty much <laughs> do what I want to do. So you're, yeah. you're not a big gym guy? No, no, I actually have two, uh, I fractured my lower back and, uh, oh. uh I can't lift. I, it just yeah. kills me. Yeah. But I'm not into something it I was a fan of. Yeah. I just, I'm not into it. Yeah. I, I always say my buddies that are like these big gym beefcakes, I'm like, dude, you know what? If the apocalypse, apocalypse or something ever happens and I need to lift inanimate objects, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you, <laughs> but I don't know what that's good for. I don't know uh, what that's I good know, for. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, like. I can out hike you. I can outrun you. I can, out, what you know, right. anyway, I, I, I'm not a big, I'm, I'm sure it's good. Like, you know, general fitness, if you don't bulk up yeah. too much, it probably could be helpful. Um, but I agree with you, man. Put me in the look mountains at, running, look at whatever. Athletes, they're long and lean, man. They're yeah. that's what you're doing, hunting. You don't need bulk muscle on you, but yeah. Yeah. Again, well, a cool. lot of that's dictated by, I just can't lift my back's jacked up. Well, you, 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 uh, you must be a beast if you're, you're looking at a 25 mile approach on a sheep hunt. I mean, that's, that yeah. is pretty legit. And then yeah, you kill the sheep, there. you got to pull out, I don't know, maybe a life-size cape, but a lot of meat and horns. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's good. That'll be, be yeah, that'll be rough. Well, and we'll see going in. If it's that rough, I'll just go down to the, to the strip or something on, if I kill. Oh, them. but yeah. That's okay. A, you could, if you plan. kill, you could pull it out on the plane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. That's, that's, that's good. Definitely possible. Yeah. Yeah, well, right it. on. Yeah, especially if you're alone, that might be. Yeah, but what you know, yeah. I mean, hey, I did like do, you say, you remember the things the most that were the right. Yeah, the suck, do, uh, that sucked the uh, worst. You know, I got to go on a doll sheep hunt last August in the Alaska range. Okay, and uh, we we my buddy killed a sheep. We were two hunters with one guy, and my buddy killed a sheep. Right, like three hours into the hunt, we killed a sheep, and we we packed that out, and it was um, that was a good one. That we we did 50 miles. We did a we had to, we were basically knee deep in a creek the whole way out. It was like the only path out of there oh wow so we just yeah. wore crocs and hiked the whole 15 miles out it wasn't it was just a creek so it wasn't like a lot of you know there was no uphills all just yeah downhill the whole yeah. way out but i remember going like dude if solo sheep hunter you're probably 130 140 pounds like oh I, yeah i don't know how the hell you're packing this out solo that would be no, really you, freaking hard yeah that's a really good yeah. estimation yeah i pulled out a life-size cape head two hind quarters and then my guide took the two front quarters and back straps on a hunt and my pack was 119 pounds yeah so you add in the two fronts and the back straps you're 140 yeah like yeah that's it, at that yeah. point yeah i mean yeah. maybe a gym guy could do it but i have a hard time with it 
yeah. Yeah, I, 120 is kind of max that you really want to do. Yeah. So I'd have to, if I killed a sheep solo this year, I'd have to shuttle, right? Like, bring me to well, it's Bighorn's bigger, too, right? I mean, there's going to be more on it. Yeah, yeah, I assume so. Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah, I guess body size and horn size. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I've hunted the Alaska Range a lot. Isn't it amazing up there? Oh, God. It was unbelievable. I, yeah. We were supposed to go back this August, and uh, they had such a rough winter last year. Oh, but, I know, um, man. Because we went in there and, like, well, it was actually two winters ago that was really bad oh, right yeah, yeah 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 and so last year you were there would you yeah. see it? i mean was it hammered we, it, you know we got lucky like we probably saw oh 20 rams okay um we had that but i don't like i was imagining what did this look like if this is 60 to 70 percent die off what the heck did this look like a year yeah. ago because we saw sheep every day and we I said we got in there hiked in our it was like 15 miles to the first camp and sat mm-hmm. down on the first glassy knob and i've never been sheep hunting before but i go hey there's two white dots and we pulled up the spotter and one's like, that's a shooter. And three hours later it was dead. I was like, this stuff's easy. Uh, that's awesome. We, we uh, and then it was, it, we ended up kind of being a crap show of the, the second half of the hunt. But uh, yeah, we yeah. killed his sheep. We got it back to camp and then we hunted like a day and a half for me. Um, I had three different rams in the crosshairs. Just one of them was legal, but not enough. Just not enough margin. Not enough margin. Like we all like, yeah. I think it's legal, but man, let's, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to play that out. game. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and then we, it was kind of a crazy hunt where the guide, he had another guide and a client out in the field and the guide quit in the middle of the, like my buddy had just killed a sheep and our guide got a yeah. message on his inreach that his other guide was quitting. Like, Hey, I'm not hunting. You need to come pick us up. <laughs> was, oh, oh my crap. gosh. So we had to like, we hunted for a day and a half and then hiked back out. He got the other customer client and we ended up hunting with him for the last few days. Um, yeah, it was still, but it, it was like, that's a tough part country. of the business. Yeah. Yeah. Every full I was an outfitter in BC for 17 years, and at the end, we started hiring an extra guide every season, nope. just in case just somebody got sick or something happened. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. But so, so that was was that your first? That was the first sheep hunt you went on. Yep, yep, first sheep hunt. Yeah, yeah. and I was talking about that experience. I mean, yeah, you've been in that country like that. To me, it's incredible. I don't care what animal I'm hunting in there, yeah. as long as I'm in that country, I'm I'm in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, I hunted on kind of in the in the shadow of Denali, mm. and uh, I mean it's 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 I love it. I've been in there. I think I've I think I've three times I've hunted up there. Mm. Very very great hunts up there. Well, cool. So let me ask you a little bit about your pack, and so uh, so educate me, and let me give you my background just so you you know like you can maybe can make some comparisons for me, and maybe some of the listeners will will have used some of the packs I've used. So. Um, I've worn a Kafaru. It was quite a while ago, but, but I, I wore that pack. I, I wore Arcteryx for many years. Hmm. Um, there was a pack called the Naus 70 that had this rotating hip belt. That mm-hmm. was really cool. Like it rotating, it, like it up and swiveled. down or it swiveled. Okay. It was actually, it was mounted on a swivel. Hmm. And so the hip belt, as you walked, you could move your hips mm-hmm. and it, it, it was pretty incredible. I really liked that pack. Um, I've worn like, you know, um, like the Barney's packs, mm-hmm. um, I've worn those guiding and, and packing out brown bears and things like that. Um, and then th- I've, I've been with Kuyu since they launched. And so I've been through three different versions of their pack. And the first one, you know, the carbon fiber frame was a, a great idea, but the geometry was way off on that first pack. Mm-hmm. Um, like the shoulder straps were too far apart and so things like that just didn't work that well. Mm-hmm. Um, the redesign was pretty good, but they had to fix the hip belt, had like bad 
like lumbar. Um, and this latest version I've been extremely happy with. Um, and, and actually looking at your packs, I haven't ever put one on. It reminds me actually a lot of Kuyu in that they're both sort of a slim, lightweight external frame with a bag strapped to it. It looks like in kind of a similar manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so I, I think, I think they might ride kind of similar, but I don't know. So, so tell me about, about XO and, 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 you know, what you think stands out and kind of like the philosophy behind back. Yeah. Um, they definitely like go with a simple mentality, right? Like I don't want things overly complicated. I want like getting the bag off the frame to me, like once you look at it, you should be able to be able, be able to do it blindfold in the dark, right? Mm-hmm. Like shouldn't, everything should be simple and kind of intuitive. Uh, we don't like overly load the bag with pockets, but there's just enough pockets that things are well organized. The The bag mm-hmm. is basically one main bag, which the thought process is all my backpacking gear. Um, that I guess in my head, you're tearing down camp every morning. All your gear goes backpacking gear, tent, sleeping bag, pad, stove, extra clothes, extra food goes in the bag, zip it up. And then it's kind of the bag itself is r- surrounded with pockets for all the things you need access to. So you got like full length spine scope and tripod pockets on the outside with Mm-hmm. Keeping that sim- simplicity mentality is like one buckle, bam, pull the spine scope out of the pocket. I want to be able to get to it quickly. There's a gotcha. front stretch panel across the front with the idea of like puffy jacket, gloves, anything you just like sit down and you don't need a glass, you yank that out really quick. Um, and then you got, you've like, designed pockets pocket. around what you know hunters need while they're. Yeah, I mean, it's very, yeah. very much uh, like our bag designs have, we kind of nailed them in 2014 and we've tweaked little things here and there, but they haven't changed mm-hmm. much. They're. Um, and I think if you like jump on forums, we probably, you know, frames are one thing because body sizes and shapes and preferences and how people yeah. put a pack on is very like individually kind of prefer, like indiv- individuals have different preferences. Uh, the bags, yeah. we get a lot of compliments on. We get some guys like another frame. They try to get our bag on their frame because they're just laid out. Interesting. Very simply. and, and Oh, just, nice. Work, That's right? quite a compliment. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, the, the truth is the bag is like 10% of my time. It, I don't like. I've been working for two years on our next generation of frames. Um, oh, and it's take, it's like they're finally getting there, but it's taken so two be, years. It's not anything that you've launched. No, no, it's not. Yeah. So you're saying just, you have a new frame coming out? Okay, that's exciting. Yeah, it's 2023 too. Um, it's coming okay. out as a ways, but um, yeah, we've been working on it. I've been working on it really hard. It's um, that's awesome. Just put a lot of time and effort into that because, as, as you know, as a backpack hunter, it's on your back all day long, but. Weight yeah. could be twenty pounds or one hundred and thirty pounds, and uh, you know the, the frame and and boots, right? Those are the two things you're in contact with all the time. They got to freaking work for you. So yeah, um, it's uh, I spent a lot of time on that and trying to balance. Um, you know, obviously you want all the weight on the hips um, as much as possible. Uh, right. We want to get that. You know, that's one thing we struggle to educate people with. They're just used to kind of putting a harness on and tighten it up and getting too much weight on their shoulders. Yeah. We kind of I, I can literally like flop my shoulder straps around yeah. while I'm backpacking. It's yep. it actually, for some reason, it just kind of sits right on my butt. Like yeah. I, it sits right on my lower back. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I see guys, they have their shoulder straps all like, it's all hanging on their shoulders. That looks so miserable. To me. Yeah. We want to get the weight like centered on the hips and then kind of talk, talk about like explaining it, getting it into your skeleton, right? Like mm-hmm. you're just directly transferring into the hip bones and then transfers down the legs and keeps the weight off your upper body and shoulders. Um, so that's definitely part of the major part of the design is just getting that as dialed as possible. Um, awesome. you talk about your Arcteryx pack with that, that kind of pivot and, and uh, hinge in it. Um, 
well, that's something we've always had in our designs. Our original frame was like really narrow. It was it's this titanium tubing and it came down like three inches apart, like each side of your spine. Um, oh. And it was awesome. The mobility was incredible. The downfall of it was it improperly loaded. It, it was not, it didn't perform as well. So when I maybe swayed a little bit, Sway kind of teeter tottered. Not so much there. It was fairly stable on your back. It was just, if you put the weight, um, like it, if I was doing, when I was prototyping, it was like 70, 80 pound sandbag. The weight felt amazing, just tight and perfect mm. to the frame. But the second yeah. you got like awkward quarters on there and started really reefing on straps, you kind of deformed the frame more than I want. Um, so we kind of went with a wider frame back in 2016. We called it our K2. Now we're on our K3 frame. Um, okay. So it runs outside the perimeter. But we still very, very much focus on lateral movement, like your Arcteryx pack there. Like as I'm walking down the trail, I want that. I do not want that. Like that stiff board on my back feeling. I want yeah, the pack to right. move with me. And I've done tests, like as much as I hike, I like put on a stiff frame and go hike. And it legitimately affects the speed at which I can hike. Um, okay. I can, I can do like three miles an hour up a hill with our frame. And I put on like a really stiff frame and it's like 2.5, 2.6, just because it's just fighting yeah. your back, right? And your body can't move. Uh, yeah. I take that. I'm a big, like, uh, I'll go sheep hunting with, like, last year I basically had tennis shoes on. Like, I'm a big, yep. um, I want my feet to move and adjust to the terrain, and I don't want like I do not respond well to a big stiff boot. I, I know some guys do. I love that, me. but yeah, pack wise, that, that is great. Yeah, yeah pack wise, same thing. I want that thing to move with you. Problem. So is, that's got to be mostly yeah. in the hip belt, right? Because if if you want most of the weight resting in your hips somehow, that mm-hmm. hip belt has got to be the point that allows some flexibility. Like if yeah, that hip belt def- is solid to that stiff frame, and they're all kind of one piece. That's yep. where you're going to get that stiff feeling. I imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the frame itself uh, has got to be able to move, right? If you just have like a solid sheet of something, it's not going to be very dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. And then really the frame connection, the, the basically how the frame connects and the hip belt connects. I can just call it the lower of our frame. That's what we, the frame lower. Um, mm-hmm. That is the most critical part of the entire pack system. Okay. Uh, that's what I've But does the frame itself flex? So we, um, we are two frame right now is a titanium tubing. that's bent into like a upside down horseshoe. Um, okay. so it's, yep. it, they basically bend the, the curve of the spine. Then it kind of goes, it does a, a bend across the top of the head and it dips back. So you get some head clearance and then it bends down, goes down the bottom side. So when the frame's out, out of the fabric, you can kind of grab each bottom of the frame and walk them back and forth. Um, so it's got natural movement built into the frame okay. design there. And then just how it's sewn together, we use some carbon horizontal stays in there. Everything's designed with a little bit of play in it. So just kind of, it's giving everywhere, right? Even the, yeah. the shoulder harness on our K3, um, it has a stretch panel built in like right here on top of the shoulder. On top um, of the shoulder. And, okay. and that's designed just for like drawing a bow. Um, it's kind of like, has the effect of like thicker padding without being thicker padding. It's kind of interesting. Okay. I kind of stumbled on it when I was prototyping a couple of years back and um it works pretty well. So lots of little things just to promote movement within the frame. But obviously once you get really heavy, you, uh, you know, that frame kind of has to be stiff and rigid. It's why a Barney's sure. frame packs heavy weight really well, right? Like it, yeah. the suspension is not deforming and changing shape that a big problem, uh, like when we set out was, um, packs barreled, right? Or you, as you tighten up the side compression straps, the middle of the harness starts like bowing out into your spine. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's something you had to we had to solve. Like the pack can't out barrel. Once we we whether ten pounds are on this or you know hundred pounds of meat, that frame the suspension's got to stay the same shape, and that's really critical in frame design. 
Yeah, that's the one place Barney shines is at 150 plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's like, yeah. all right, I, I might carry that just in case, like on a brown yeah. bear hunt, right? You right. Know, you need at right. least yeah. one of those, you know? Um, so let me ask you this. You mentioned earlier that that you had the experience where if there was a sandbag on one of the first versions mm-hmm. of your pack, mm-hmm. if there's a sandbag, it rode really nice. And But if it got awkward, it wasn't. So tell me generally with, you know, well-designed packs, mm-hmm. how important is putting the heavy weight in the right place? And what is the right place in your opinion? Yeah, it's extremely important. You can take a poor pack and make it right a lot better. Or you can take an excellently designed pack, load it in properly and and uh, make it feel not so great. It's weight okay. distribution is, is huge. Um, like on that, I was, uh, that doll sheep hunt last year, we, we had that, uh, I took a bunch of time and we laid the cape out. Like really, like there's a YouTube video we did, I did on this. It's like if you go to Extra Mountain Gear and search, you know, loading cape and horns, I think it was what it mm-hmm. was. Um, but it took a long time to form that into like a nice flat rectangular cube, right? That took up the whole width of the frame, a little bit of weight tapered towards the top. Um, but you know, you want to get that weight as close to the back as possible. Um, so, and which is that lower back, middle back, uh, or do you like back. that the best? Yeah. Middle, middle back. back. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You, do, you don't want no weight hanging below the bottom of the frame below, like, you know, the top of your butt. Right. Um, sure. So yeah, we'll sure. see our pack. Um, and the design of it, the bag basically detaches from the top. And then there are webbing and buckles at the bottom where you could pull the bag away from it. But we tell people not to. I want to basically pull the bag off the frame and, and have it hinge from the bottom. So you put mm. your quarter on there. And when you flip it up, it's kind of forming almost a wedge down there at the bottom. Yeah. We just really yeah, want to yeah. promote keeping weight high. Um, in the middle. Yeah. In the middle. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle. Like kind of between your shoulder blades, middle of your back. That's where you want the weight. And then um, it weight distribution it matters even with 30 pounds you can you know if you just throw like weight in the bottom of the pack versus distributing it throughout it just it definitely yeah. affects how it's going to ride and carry so super important i packed uh, out a yeah. giant set of caribou antlers once like a 400 inch bull out of the alaska range and it was mm-hmm. a two-day pack out like we were super deep like on the other side of the mountain range so we had to go up and over and uh my pack was only 100 pounds but that was the most miserable pack out of my life. Yeah. And it, it was, those antlers were so awkward and they were throwing me mm-hmm. all over the place and it wasn't even getting hung up on bush and stuff. It was just like how it was riding and pulling me backwards. It made it very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, so I, I get that. Let me ask you some advice then. So I, I get, so you, your pack separates from the, pr- the frame mm-hmm. and I wear a Kuyu pack. It does the same thing. Like it separates mm-hmm. from the frame. And so, but I've never done that. Like I've oh, never, really? just put the, yeah, back. I, yeah. Well, so what I yeah. do though, and tell, and I, this is where I'm asking your advice. Tell me if I'm making a mistake here. What I do is I, I empty the pack and I open it up so I can see the back of the pack and I put the meat right in the middle of my pack and there's some straps there mm-hmm. and I strap it tight to the back of the canvas of the bag. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very, and then I pack right, everything okay. around that. So it right. does keep that meat in my upper, do you think I'd be better off? I was no. always afraid that when I put it, I was always afraid when I separated the bag from the frame that the stuff that actually goes in the bag is now further away from my, my right. bag. Yeah. And so it ha- would have a little bit of back weight. Yep. So I always figured if I can fit the meat, it'd be better to put it inside the pack, but situate it in the middle of my back. Yeah, no, you're is that, is that okay. correct. Yeah. I think the benefit of our design is the simplicity and the speed at which you can get something loaded. Right. So gotcha. uh, I got an elk on the down. I'm, on the ground, I'm three miles from the trailhead, whatever, pull the thing off, throw the quarter on there, strap it down and go. If I've got like a 
15 plus mile pack out. I'm really going to, you just don't want, you know, ultimately you're packing the same amount of stuff, whether it's all in the bag or in between the bag and the frame. The only thing that separates mm-hmm. is a piece of fabric that the only downside is if you've got like a heavy ball of meat and then you got a bunch of dead space below it or above it where you are right like that. Yeah. You're putting that weight further away from your back. So that's where it is a little, you got to be just diligent there to make sure that um, the meat you're strapping to the frame is, is kind of as flat as it can be to the frame and not, gotcha. you know, not a ball for sure. So if I got yeah. like a bag of boned out meat, I'm going to lay it on the frame and like, you know, step on it, push on it, like flatten that thing as best I can. So when the bag folds up, it's flat to it. A bone in L kind quarter, right? It's big and round down there at the bottom. You're going to have all this dead space that, that isn't ideal. At the same time, you're not throwing bloody meat inside your pack. Um, yeah. So if you're, you're out hunting with buddies and, and even if you're backpacking, you get the you get trip out, you just wash the bag off in the creek. Uh, everything on the inside stays dry. You don't, you know, your, your gear's not all bloody. So yeah. there's yeah. definitely uh, a pro and a con there. But uh, Well, I think that if, system, if you have a long pack, you're going to debone that quarter. You're talking yeah. like, hey, we killed this elk. Let's get it out of here. Then you can just throw it, yeah. throw it on the yeah, on just, the Yeah, it's super yeah. quick. I mean, within... 45 seconds I can have that pack loaded up and going. It's very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's like a, just a, something that's always like a design philosophy for us is just keep it simple and, and easy to use and um, not almost limit options, but it's just like there's everything there that you need and, and not a whole lot of stuff that you don't. Awesome. And, and I guess the other advantage would be if, if you literally can't fit everything in the bag, yeah, then yeah. And so that's being first. able, that, that's huge. Yeah. I yeah, mean, at that first... point, you don't want to be strapping stuff to the outside of your pack. So yeah. these packs that separate, that's a huge advantage. Yeah. That was a, one of our first, when we first started, it was kind of like, guys are like, oh, I need a 5,000 cubic inch bag or something like that. I'm like, well, what are you doing? I'm going backpacking for the weekend. Why in the world do you need 5,000 cubic inches? Like our 3,500 is perfect. You know, use that thing for yeah. like three to five days. It's dialed. And then, you know, the, what we've kind of figured out was, well, people were using other pack systems where you had to put the meat in the bag. So this bag had to have double the capacity of what you're actually packing where ours it's like no all the bag size is just for the gear that you need uh, and you don't have to worry about meat that's all separate from you know because it's sandwiched between the frame and the bag yeah okay nice okay and another question for you and that was i noticed you know that when you said the weight needs to be in your hips and again i mentioned i'm huge on that and i've noticed that there are so many people out there even I've seen experienced guides who spend, mm-hmm. you know, two months a year in the mountains and I see all their weight on their shoulders. And, and, you know, I think that some of this comes to knowing how to fit a pack. Yes. C- can you talk, talk me through how you fit packs? And I'm sure you've put a lot of thought into this. Um, yeah. Yeah. To me, it, it's a pretty simple process. I tell everybody start with all the straps loose, you know, the most specifically just the shoulder harness, right? So you want the the main shoulder harness webbing that's going to go down to the bottom of the frame loose. You want your uh, load lifter straps loose. Um, have everything loose. Put the put the frame on. No weight. No weight uh, in the pack. No, yeah, no. You want weight in the pack. You want. Oh, weight um, in the pack. Okay. Yeah, I'd say at least twenty to thirty pounds enough that okay. it's going to stack because it's going to ride. High. If it's empty, it's just you know you're not fighting any gravity and it's just going to ride gotcha. higher. So we want to okay. get a more better estimate of what it's going to do with weight. So I, yeah, 30 pounds. I think we have the packs here in the office where they have 40 or 45 pounds in them. It's perfect for fitting people. Okay. Um, so put the belt on. And then the biggest thing is just starting with the belt centered on the hips. Guys will put it on. I think it's it's super common to see guys like put think the hip belt should be where their belt is on their jeans, right? So right. it's kind of super low. Like, no, get that up high. Like I just have, tell everybody, grab their thumb, dig it into the side of their 
hip and find the top of that hip bone and that should be the, the iliac s- crest yes correct the iliac crest yep. find the find that and and center the hip belt on that and cinch it tight you, you can be plus or minus of the iliac crest by an inch you know just depending on comfort and lumbar like a lot of that's going to be the, the curve of the frame the design of the lumbar pad and the belt and then your body mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. very close to that and then just get so the they, so yeah. the de- the the point of your hip bone as you fill your hip bones the most pointed part that sticks out the farthest yep. you put the the hip belt roughly dead center of the hip belt correct the point of the yeah and hip that's bones. we're talking correct. about like transferring the weight of the pack into your skeleton that's why we want to cup that hip bone right right and put the weight right into your skeleton right there perfect um so yeah you're right there get the belt tight cinch it up tight so that really at that point. You should be able to like not touch anything. The, the top half of the pack may be completely floppy, but it's sitting there. It should just sit there, right? And then the next step is simply look at the shoulder harness. Um, so you're, I'm going to snug up the main shoulder harness webbing. And to me, it should have this very natural curve just following over the top of your shoulders. Um, preferably, you know, 30, 40 pounds. Then I want to take my fingers and easily be able to run them like from my back shoulder blade up and over the top of the shoulder towards my chest and like mm-hmm. have almost no resistance. And that that's a good point, I think, with, with that type of weight. There should be almost no weight on the shoulders. It's really, to me, like all the weights with that, you know, I'm going to say zero to 50, 60 pounds, yes. that kind of um, weight range, all the weights on the hips and the shoulder harness is just stability, just keeping the pack from... Sh- Flopping back backwards. and forth and left yes. and right, right? Yeah. So that's what I tell people is all the weights on the hips and then just snug up the harness. They're going to do the, the main webbing first. Uh, actually, I'll back up. I kind of get the main webbing slightly snug and then I'll set the sternum strap to, I'll, I'll clip it and kind of use that to set the width that I want the harness to sit. So if you're a big mm-hmm. broad chested guy, you know, you just want it like just centered perfectly on your shoulders. Some guys will, uh, what I'd see an error would be take the shoulder harness webbing, tighten it too tight grab the sternum strap, yank on it, and then grab the load lifter straps and they really tighten those down. And all that stuff should just be snug. So I'll set the, the width of the harness with the sternum strap. Just I just kind of like grab each side of the, the shoulder harness webbing that goes to the bottom of the frame and just kind of walk it back and forth until I just feel the, the slack take out of the pack. I feel like it's contacting my back. And then you go to the load lifters and just snug those up. Uh, and that's it. Leave it. Um, and I'm hiking down the trail. It's just kind of floating on my shoulders. It's not there's movement, but it's not overly floppy or uncomfortable. The only time I'll, you know, if I get in a really technical terrain or something like that, you're climbing up a cliff on a sheep hunt or a lot of downfall, then I'll go ahead and tighten up the harness a touch more just to kind of suck it to the body and get extra stable. But Make it 95% of the piece. time, it's it's uh, nice and loose and floating. Then not much changes. You know, I try to, once that weight gets to 100 pounds plus, it's the belt gets even tighter. Um, you know, it's going to be like uncomfortably tight, but that's way better than weight on the shoulders. Um, and then, you know, and then, yeah, you're going to have to load up the shoulders. It kind of, I'd say you go from like a 90% of the weight on the hips to 10 on the shoulders with under 60 pounds to from 60 to 120, you you might transfer to like 80, 20, something like that. Um, you're just naturally going to have more weight on the shoulders. Um, that's well said. Yeah. One tip I, I give guys is no matter what pack it is, I don't care how well it's designed. There's going to be some sag with, once you get over a hundred pounds, right? You're just fighting too much gravity. That you technically you want to lengthen the torso adjustment you know on ours uh, you can move it like a in, in one inch increments really easily and you, the pack's just going to sit lower so if you don't lower the harness then you're going to kind of compound the weight on the shoulders or raise the harness raise the torso adjustment um you can kind of so do you're that saying like, yeah. you're saying allow the pack to sag more 
Is no, that the adjustment see, that's, you're making? No, that's the that's the misconception. I want yeah, yeah. The, help the, me with this. At the just pack is just going to sit lower on your body, right? Like with that amount of weight, um, you're just it's just you're gonna no matter how tight you get the belt, it's going to want to slide down a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Versus mm-hmm. forty pounds, and so because the belt, so that's going to that's going to hit your shoulders. Yes, because exactly. it's sagging. So you're saying raise the shoulder straps, say an inch further away from the hip belt. So yes. when the pack sags, it doesn't put extra weight on your shoulders. It's not you're not loading up the shoulders more. Yep, bro, exactly. that is huge. That is a huge. Yeah. That's a huge tip. Like, yeah. cause I can't tell you how many times when you said 80, 20 at one twenty, I was like, <laughs> I've never felt yeah. that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's so, but that's a really good point. So you're, you're lengthening the torso. That's yeah. really people, smart. I really yeah. appreciate that. People, is, they assume that like all oh, the packs riding low on me, I need to drop the harness down. Right. And to me, the, like we were talking about the harness just floats. It's completely irrelevant. If it's, if it's sagging on you at the lumbar and the belt, besides take away the weight of the pack uh it's just not the the it's either not designed well or it's not designed well for your body which is you know like we fit a lot of guys but there are i'd say you know if we sell 100 packs there's three or four guys in there our pack's just not going to fit what however their lumbar and back and hips are shaped it just doesn't mm-hmm. work uh, yeah. we get that like we just had another pack company send a guy to us that like they just gave up like sorry it doesn't fit doesn't fit your triexo you know yeah, yeah um and we get those customers you know we a lot of my time in design is I design it for my body, but then also just make sure that it can fit the widest range of people as possible while still keeping the adjustments simple. So, uh, so I think I know the answer to this, but uh, just to be sure, and also for the listeners, what's the difference in that situation? I got a 120 pound pack and you're saying I'm going to raise the shoulder strap connection point. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between that and just loosening the shoulder straps? Just by loosening it, you're just changing where the padding's riding. You you can like that is a a trick for sure. You throw 100 pounds on there, you start hiking a mile, and you feel like ah oh, the weight's on my shoulders a little bit. I'll kind of go back to the hip belt, just give it a little extra tug, and then just loosen the harness like half an inch, and mm-hmm. then and then you'll kind of go back to the load lifters at the top of the frame and just just kind of suck up that slack again, and that'll help get the weight off your shoulders. But you can only do that once. Um, mm-hmm. You just keep loosening and loosening and loosening, and all of a sudden you know it's packs all out of whack. So. Well, yeah, um, I've noticed when I do that, the pack starts to fall away from my back. Yes, yeah. And so then I have to pull it in the, with the load lifters, and then it's kind of like cheating what it wants to do. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can only do it once, and then after that, like, one of the biggest things I found to help with heavy, heavy loads, just stop every mile, you know, every one or two miles, stop, like, take the weight off your hips, relieve some of that pressure, and then give it a three, four-minute break, and then pick it back up. Like, uh, if I've got, you know super long pack out and or it's uh going to be a long pack out plus like we're going back in to keep hunting like i'll take those breaks they make a huge difference in, in the wear and tear on yeah. your body because there's again like we kind of say with 100 pounds like we'll, we'll get some guys like eastern guys that buy a pack and they're going on their first elk cut and they go load it up with 80 pounds like oh this isn't very comfortable and they don't really have mm-hmm. perspective on like when i say 100 pounds is comfortable it, it's like there's going to be discomfort in the hike it's- for sure <laughs> i just don't want like bruises, rubbed skin, you know, extreme tenderness, soreness the next day. Um, There's always points of a a pack out that are like, oh, this sucks. But you should be able to, um, like the the frame should design well, transfer that way to your hips. You should be able to keep a relatively natural posture. Like if you got to hunch over the whole way out of there, that's going to like wear and tear on you. Um, um, 
yeah, if you got to hunch the whole hike out, hunt, you know, bent over because the weight's pulling you back, that's going to kill you. So have a natural posture and, and uh, yeah. yeah, just good weight distri- distribution into the hips. Okay, final question on fitting. How important is it? I've always heard this and I've always done this. And, and in fact, I have to wear an XL. I'm, a, I'm 5'8". And to mm-hmm. accomplish this with Kuyu packs, I have to wear an XL frame. Hmm. But getting the load lifters at a 45 degree angle, how important is that? So load lifters are important. I, I think when we first started, I was like, oh, load lifters are the be all end all, right? Um, the most important thing is the, the frames design, the geometry of everything, how it's connecting to the hip belt. And that if it's doing its job transferring the weight, the, the load lifters are a lot less important. Um, okay. They are important. I want a frame above the top of your shoulders. Absolutely. The specific okay. angle, how many inches is up there. Like we have our K3 frame we have right now, it's, it comes in two heights and then I designed into it the adjustment to make it taller in the field. Um, so you can go from a 24 to 25 and a half frame like in the field. Like if you're breaking down an animal, you can oh, put cool. this little cap around in the bottom and make it taller for that very reason. Like with the heavier weight, I want that frame higher. Obviously, we're hunters and we got to balance, um, you know, 99% of the time, we don't want a frame sticking above the top of our head. We need like be mobile and hunting and be athletic out there. Um, and so you kind of got to balance like how tall do you want the frame? You know, uh, how much of a annoyance do you want going under brush and look glass in a pill and crawling and all those things. So there's a, you know, for us that 24 to 25 inch frame's always been a sweet spot. Um, yeah. The, you said your height, um, it's, it is funny cause there are just such a wide range in basically torsos. So we ask everybody like, what's, I think what's my torso is long. Yeah. I'm guessing for, for my height, next for my yeah. height. Yeah. We ask everybody, what's your height or what's your waist size? What's your inseam? Cause your inseam and, and along with your height. So if you say you're five foot eight with a, with a 28 or 30 inch inseam, it's like, okay, yeah, oh, yeah. You've, you're the same as me at six foot with a 32 inch inseam, right? Gotcha. Um, yeah. So we, we kind of get that information from people to make sure we get them guided in the right direction. Okay. Very nice. That's great stuff, man. Really nice. Um, well, so let's switch gears. We got a little bit of time here, and I would love to hear about what Hoyt you're shooting this year and how your setup is. By the way, are you, are you on the sheep hunt? What are you doing? Bow rifle? Ah, uh, rifle. <laughs> yeah. That's like, a I, really tough hunt. I know uh, that. Yeah, That's, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, um, like I said, I, I uh, bow hunted from the time I was 18 till. 35 i didn't even own a rifle i it's i'm 37 now just picked up a rifle yeah. a few years back uh, i was 1000 percent a bow hunter i, I kind of like snobby bow hunter almost like ah, it's <laughs> too easy <laughs> um yeah. and uh and then i did rifle just, hunting know, can be fun yeah for I, sure. I, I really enjoyed it i've probably killed you know a dozen or so animals the last three four years and yeah uh, or two three years and, and had a lot of fun pretty much mainly yeah, nice. rifle this frank church sheep tag yeah very much like i think it's kind of regard is going to be one of the hardest hunts out west it's it's a pretty yeah tough it one. is yeah. and i don't want to stack the odds against me with trying to throw yeah. a bow in hand um maybe i i just talked about this someone this morning actually was asking me about it and i was like ah, may, maybe if i was 24 still and no kids at home and had all the time in the world sure i'd go yeah. after the bow but i i think that yeah. those rams are kind of timbered up right and you yes really have yeah that's a lot of time to yeah a lot of to I, find I, them in the right spot at the right time yeah what i found is they're timbered up and Talked to a few guys who know what they're talking about, and they just don't move. They they live in like a three eighths inch mile, like if you know off a finger, off the top of a main ridge. And if you don't just have like catch them in the right spot, because they're just they're just not up moving. They're not covering a lot of country. Yeah. They'll 
go yeah. from the timber and go out in a little 20 yard patch of stuff and feed and go back in the timber. And right. You just got to know. And I guess they, they're very, um, uh, they go to the same spots year after year. And so once you kind of find those spots, you can start picking them oh, up. But if you're just yeah. going blind into that country, um, yep. you're going to, like, I talked to a guy who said, like, I've spent 45 days in that country over the last five years and I've seen a couple rams. Like, yeah. Um, so they're not everywhere. Yeah. Gotta, I, I actually spoke to a biologist yeah. once who, this biologist, this was 10 years ago, but he claimed that there weren't enough legal sheep in that area to actually fill the tags they issue. Really? That's what he said. <laughs> I, no, I don't I, know. That. Yeah. I don't, I don't doubt that that, that might not be true. Like I, I there's yeah. not many in there. Yeah. So, right. so yeah, that's, that's going to yeah. be an awesome hunt though. So, but yeah. tell me what Hoyt are you shooting and why? Yeah. Uh, RX five. Um, okay. The ultra uh, or the shorter one? Shorter one, yeah. Okay. Um, yep. for, yeah, forever. I guess my my ideal bow for a lot of years was like a 33 axle axle, seven inch brace height. Um, yeah. That was like perfect. And then um, and then when Hoyt came out, I want to say RX3 was the first shorter, like sub 33 inch bow I shot. And I was surprised mm-hmm. how well I shot it. It shot really, really well. And, yeah. And I like that. I'm willing to forego some. I don't want to say accuracy, but I'm willing to like forgiveness, maybe. Yeah, maybe a little bit of forgiveness, um, just for like mobility. I like being. Yeah. I'm a very lightweight guy. Like my, if I'm going elk hunting for the weekend, my base pack weights 16, 17 pounds. You know, you add food and water on top of that, but super light. I like this, yeah. like being athletic out there. It's like I wear running shoes and uh, just kind of running that's through the awesome. mountains. And that shorter bow just kind of fits with that, you know. It's lightweight, easy packing around and carry. And, yeah. and I seem to shoot it really, really well. And I used to be... What's your draw length? Uh, 29 and a half. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm definitely on the long side yeah. for that. Uh, yeah. For that. But uh, I shoot it really well. And I, I, I used to be very... Um, I was a very good 3D shooter back when I was like, you know, starting SNS archery and competing in the local mm-hmm. stuff. And I was, you know, I was just local shoots, but I was always taking first or second or place or something like that. But yeah. I... I choked all the time out there in the field right like i always suck like i miss opportunities and overshoot and undershoot and i kind of realized over oh time, yeah like, you you truly you know the the most important thing is having that infield experience and making making the shot when it counts right like you've got a I mean, margin for error on a, on a mule we're board. trying to hit a yeah. 10 inch circle a right. 10 inch circle like yeah. it, it really i mean is is a different actual actual going to make a difference in that Yes, you know, I, I think it's more of like where your head's at, the ranging of the animal, the angles, the all the decisions you make, all of that stuff is what really comes together. Yeah, yeah, I started putting or needs a lot to come more together. Importance on I just I stopped shooting dots. I I've grabbed a three D target. That's all I ever shoot now. Um, and I do when I go out and shoot, I do like these one shot kind of routines. I, I I'll take a three D target up in the hills and. Like, all right, here's one shot at 45 yards, and that's all I get. And then I move to 60, to 70, to 80, whatever. I just bounce around. Um, and I found that practice to be, like, exponentially more helpful to me actually killing animals in the field and making that shot when it counts versus just trying to stack tiny little groups out there. So, yeah. um, so I put, you know, going back to the bow, I put less importance on maybe some of the things that are, like, really, um, you know, give you that little tiny extra edge in accuracy. Uh, but maybe it's it's a bigger, longer bow, and it's heavier, and I don't like packing it around. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm just like I feel. Yeah. Conf- I always say confidence kills. I feel confident when I'm out there, like running around with lightweight equipment, and yeah, like I'm gonna be able to run. Do you down use much weight on your stabilization system then? 
Um, you know, I don't, I've not messed a lot with weight stabilization. I, I just kind of default to like a 10 inch carbon bar and, and mm-hmm. six, seven ounces out there. Oh, okay. Like so that's a decent amount. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've shot yeah. like B-Stinger forever. With the RX-5, I really haven't played much with, uh, that new kind of lower stabilizer mount. It's mm-hmm. super interesting to me. I love the concept yeah. of it. Um, I have you put your, your stabilizer down on that mount? Yes. I, yeah. That's how it's worth that yeah. now and shooting it. But it you're shooting great. like your yeah. 10 inch. Yes. Yeah. I haven't yeah. Like, got back and like. I just kind of screwed it off my, I had an RX-3 that I was shooting and then when I got the RX-5, I just grabbed that and screwed it on there. I was like, man, this feels yeah. awesome. But I didn't, yeah. I haven't gone back and played with like, oh, if I throw six inches on here, is that same effectiveness yeah. as I had in the past? I, I think it might be. I, I have found yeah. that it is. Yeah. I'm shooting a six inch bee stinger with like five ounces uh-huh. and I cannot believe the stabilization I'm getting out of that. Mm. Do you run sidebar it's, at all or anything? Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, I run, I run a, a low sidebar. Um, with about it's a six incher with about the same and but the only reason i'm running the sidebar is to offset my quiver gotcha it's not really like the sidebar is not long enough to actually stabilize but it does help i don't like the the feel of my quiver pulling on that side yeah. so yeah that is annoying I, that's one yeah when i talk about like practice you know 3d targets i just leave my quiver i used to take my quiver off and not put it on till september or you yeah. know august but now I just, it's just on year round so i get used to it but you do have this natural kind of torque that you're going to apply to the bow when you're trying to level that bubble back up. Yeah. I mean, advice for the listeners, when you tune your bow, when you paper tune your bow, mm. load up your quiver full of, if, you know, five arrows because you're going to be, the sixth one's going to be on your rest and, uh, and tune your bow exactly like you're going to be hunting. You know, it, it won't tune the same. You no, take that okay. quiver off, you're going to get a tear. And then when you're shooting, like it, there is a gigantic difference. And I, you know, I shoot my, um, I have an RX4 set up for like target and I shoot it all winter and it's just, you know, just a bow, right? No quiver. It's really light. It is such a pleasure to shoot. And then I get my hunting rig out and it's 10 pounds heavier to draw and you got the quiver on it and side stabilizer offset it. And it's like, oh my gosh, this thing sucks. <laughs> like, I mean, compared, it's just right. not as fun to shoot. So imagine if you did your, that to yourself in the field. Right. Like all of a sudden you've made these changes that you're not used to. Now, after a few weeks of shooting that thing, it feels just as good as the target. But once I like accustomed myself to it, you know, mm-hmm. but that, that's a, I like what you're saying there. Good, yeah. good pointer. Yeah. Um, and then I just have a, like a custom six pin black gold sight on there and then movable. Uh, no, I used to shoot a slider forever. I had some really bad target panic. I kind of slowly creeped in over like a two year process. And this was mm-hmm. two years ago. You know, I knew it was all mental. It just drove, drove me absolutely nuts. It was 100% in the head. Um, and I just like, all right, when was the last time I shot really well? And I just like went back, like mimicked that setup. And nice. It was a a yeah. fixed pin sight, my 10 inch bee stinger. Um, and I went back to that and it was like immediate fix for me. And it's just kind yeah. of a random thing. I went back to the same release I used to shoot. And then for whatever reason that worked. Uh, but man, that was frustrating. That was for, I went years and years and years. Like, I don't know what people are talking about. Target panic's not a yeah. thing. And I was bad. It was, uh, I, I like, put it in the yeah. same category as Bigfoot. I just say, I don't believe in it. Yeah. I just keep telling myself, <laughs> I just keep telling myself that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but it crept up on me. And I, I, I remember like I was camping with my wife and kids and I like, I put the 3d target out there like 50 yards and I, I physically couldn't hit the target. Like the 50 yard pin would get like a foot over its back and I'd have like a seizure and shoot the bow. It was, I can't describe it. It was okay. Weird. Don't, don't yeah. talk about it anymore. I don't want to hear about it. Nobody wants to hear about this. Yeah. So <laughs> forget yeah. everything you just yeah. heard. He was just joking. Uh, yeah. It doesn't exist. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Steve, I have really enjoyed this. I learned a lot from you about PACs. I really appreciate that. I can tell you're a very smart guy. I love talking to smart people. I, you know, I got just a second here. I got to ask you one more question. What running shoes do you wear sheep hunting? Like in the Alaska range, how did you set that up? And this is more personal curiosity because I yeah. do, I wear, I wear like a um, Solomon cross. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, X cross. I can't remember what it's speed called. Cross. But anyway, I, yeah. speed cross, that's it. Yep, yep. As often as I can. Mm-hmm. But when I get into the ab- absolute sheep country, I switch to a, a synthetic mountaineering boot that's still pretty light. But what I love the idea. What's that? What boot is that? Uh, it's it's a Scarpa. It's the one that okay. Kuyu oh, okay. runs. It's a very light sock fit Gore-Tex hmm. mountaineering boot. Um, it's but anyway, I do. I, I'll whenever I can get away with the tennis shoe, I do. So how do you set that up? And what do you wear? Uh, yeah. So last year I wore um, Speed Cross is one I worn a lot. X Ultra uh, Solomon X Ultras I've worn a lot. Um, I don't really. Um, I don't know if I just have tough feet or strong ankles or whatever, but I don't feel like a difference in a mid or a lower or anything like that. Um, and then, so on that sheep hunt, I wore a Loa Inox, which it's a kind of a mid height, very flexible. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they put it in like their hiking shoes category, but it's Inox. I N N O X, I think. Okay. Um, okay. It was. And did you wear a gator with it, or did you wear a sealskin sock or anything like that? No, or? I didn't have sealskin socks. I've actually played. I started just ordered some waterproof socks for the first time like a month yeah. ago, and I'm curious to start hiking with those some more and test them out. But um, no, I had a gator. I don't like wearing gators if I have to. I mean, we mm-hmm. um, uh, like I mentioned, we ended up. Uh, we just I packed Crocs. I'm not. I don't pack Crocs on a hunt at home because we're not crossing rivers. Mm-hmm. But we were. We basically followed a river up for 15 miles, just, you know, different forks of it. It kept getting smaller and smaller, but we did most of that Crocs. It was just like, you were, you crossed yep. that stream 500 times coming out. It was just so brushy on yep. the sides. But, um, but, um, yeah, those, those lows, they were waterproof to begin with. And then halfway through the trip, stepped in a little boggy thing. Like, oh, they're clearly not waterproof anymore. Uh, so that went downhill. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, to yep. me, what I like about the synthetic is it can dry out, right? And it's They'll not going to absorb and hold moisture forever. So mm-hmm. my uh, the guide and my buddy Tyler that I was hunting with, their leather boots, you know, they kept them dry-ish. But once they got wet, they were soaked the whole trip. They never dried out. Where mine That's would right. be soaking wet, but I alter, I'd bring three pairs of socks. I'd, you know, get one pair of socks soaking wet. And I'd throw them, strap them to the back of my pack while I was hunting, and they'd dry out. And I'd put a dry pair on, pull out the insoles when I could. I mean, I, you just kind of got to manage that moisture. but to me, I don't know, my foot just hates a stiff boot. I, it just yeah. doesn't like it. Uh, I'm way more athletic. I'm uh, very clumsy with a stiff boot. You know, I look at, like, you mm-hmm. step on a rock, and instead of, like, your foot and the shoe conforming to the rock, it, like, you've, like, this rock climbing super stiff. You got, like, a quarter inch of rubber touch the yeah. rock, and you slip off, and I just yeah. don't like them. I, like, I encourage everyone I can, when I can, like, at least try them out, you know? Uh, if you're, like... I don't think you should ever settle for unhappy feet. If you're getting blisters and hot feet and uncomfortable at the end of the day, like if you get to camp and like the first thing you got to do is take off your shoes, you need to keep trying something else. And if you're obviously got way worse issues with that of blisters all the time, then just keep trying because there'll be something out there that works for you. But I've also, yeah, um, like we've done, I used to think everyone was an idiot for not wearing like trail running shoes. Like, uh, but I've done like that death hike that we do every year. Um, I've been with guys that like their feet get tore up in a trail running shoe and they strap on mm-hmm. a, in a track and they're fine it doesn't make sense right. to me, but everyone's different i've definitely learned that just again don't stop until you have happy feet so yeah very nice yeah i can get away with the tennis shoe in, in the lower 48 
But BC, I, I outfitted in BT, BC for 17 years on the coast, soaking wet. And yeah. I, the tennis shoes, I couldn't pull them off there. I just got too wet and mm. too slippery. I couldn't edge into the vegetation. The one thing about yeah. a stiff, stiff boot is you can drive that edge and it cuts into the yeah. vegetation and it becomes a step. Where with yeah. a tennis shoe, you're, you're just left with the tread. Right. And yeah. sometimes the tread doesn't cut it when it's soaking wet and slippery. And, yeah. and so there are, I mean, but I, I try to keep an open mind to this stuff because... I, and that's why you, you perked my interest there with, with what yeah, you were talking about. Yeah, I did. On the shoe punt last year, I, like everyone was wearing stiff leather boots. They could kick my butt going down the scree, right? That was, that was a fun mm. time I've been in that country where you drop 3,000 cool. feet in 20 minutes. You know, just Isn't that skiing cool? down yeah. that. It was so nice. Yeah. Um, but the, the, I just couldn't keep up, right? I just didn't have like that stiffness in the boot and the well, uh, the confidence to just go yeah, yeah all just, out down yeah. that stuff because you know you're not going to get hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So they kind of kicked my butt there. And then there was a couple. Um, we made this. Oh, we we got up on top of this peak, and there was three rams bedded just probably about fifteen hundred feet below us. And I was, um, I've been in gnarly country, but this was like steep down. And I was like, I don't yeah. think we can get down this. And my guide was like, Ah, I got it. You know, and it was it was little like. We kind of had to edge out there like 50 yards and, you know, you were just sliding, sliding, sliding. And they, they definitely had that advantage of that stiff boot cutting in and then sliding down was, you know, like leather glove on the hand, you know, your yeah. upper hand just dug into the hill, just sliding down. And we got lucky and we were kind of exposed to getting down to them for a little bit, but they didn't seem to mind. And that was, uh, got on that ram and it was just not quite legal, but that was such a cool Oof. back out or a cool hunt. And then I do remember we were hiking out of that like i don't know how we would have got weight on our backs up out of this thing this was pretty yeah. gnarly. like we we were there was like a little bit of a glacier kind of snowpack there and we were like toe punching up that thing uh with our you know digging you didn't have your overnight packs on at that point no yeah yeah we just day weight yeah yeah, yeah our guide okay. he wanted yeah. to set up a base camp like that wasn't my preferred method had been pack up every morning you know uh mm-hmm. but he was a little not not old. I mean, he had lightweight gear, but nothing like we were. You know, he's probably fifteen sure. pounds heavier. So that's my. And that's the other method. time I've had a hard time with the tennis shoes in that country is mm-hmm. with the sixty pounds, right? Right. Or right, yeah. or the sheep on the back. And again, I'm just like again, I'm I'm always exploring options with boots and shoes. So yeah, yeah I've my yeah. collection's pretty ridiculous. I got probably yeah pairs of them sitting <laughs> in there that are all in the last four years. That, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely. They're fun to play with and just keep, keep looking for the perfect one. So, yeah, well, that's a, that's a great story to end on. That sounds like a pretty epic stock. Like you're literally scaling oh. down a cliff and sliding through shoots awesome. to get in range of these sheep and you line up and you don't feel like he's a hundred percent legal. Yeah. It was tough, tough not to pull. Oh, man. We, were, we got to that point where, you know, like how we're trying to count rings and the guy's like, we really don't want to be counting rings here because it wasn't super obvious, you know, it was, mm. it was close and he was, you can hardly count the ring sometimes when they're in your hands. I know. Yeah. Like, that's, I that's mean, really and then the biologist sees it differently than you do. And there's yeah. all kinds of yeah. risks there. Yeah. yeah. He, he was past the stick test by an eighth of an inch, maybe. I mean, he was so stinking close, but yeah, it was better safe than sorry, especially, uh, well, yeah, you just don't ever want to shoot one and have to deal with that stuff. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. No way. Well, hey, this was fantastic. I really appreciate your time, yeah. Steve. And it's great yeah. great getting to know you a, bit, a little better. I'm sure the listeners really enjoyed all your knowledge. Yeah, no, appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thanks a lot, man.